1: dear friend Pam Lamp of Who I Met Today is launching her own podcast in 2023, and I am so pleased to be her first guest. In honor of the launching of her new show, I am rerunning my previous interview with her. In addition, if you want to check out her trailer, you can find it on her website, whoimettoday.com. I hope you will tune into her show starting January 13th. Welcome to the award-winning Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcast Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with casual author conversations, book recommendation episodes, and insider information on all of the newest releases that I have read and endorse, and on the publishing industry in my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations or to find my backlist of interviews, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. In 2023, I am adding a new segment to my Tuesday episodes called Read-A-Like Requests. Listeners can submit a book they loved and tell me why they loved it, and I will suggest some similar reads. There is a Google form included in today's show notes. I would love for you to send in a request. If you love to read, I hope you will consider joining my Patreon group to access additional content, including bonus episodes and early reads and pre-pub author chats. For February, Lauren Willig's new book is one of my selections, as well as a likely story, a debut by Lee Abramson. The link to join that is in the show notes as well. Today, I am thrilled to pieces to be chatting with Pam Lamp about her fabulous blog, Who I Met Today, and about some of her cookbook recommendations. For more than three years, Pam has explored one new thing every single day. On her website, whoimettoday.com, she writes about these discoveries and the inspiring people she's met along the way a book, beach, and animal person. Pam has two grown sons and lives in Nashville with her husband. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
0: Don't you know that you're a grown-
1: Welcome Pam. How are you today?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: I am so excited to chat with you about everything. So why don't we get started out with you first just talking a little bit about you. Tell me about you.
0: Well, my husband and I live in Nashville. We moved here about four years ago. And if you had ever told me that at 57 years of age, I would uproot from all I knew and loved in Houston, Texas, and moved to Tennessee, I would not have believed you. But what started out as a very challenging experience has turned out to be a really fun adventure for us. We have two grown sons. One is getting married in another month or so, the other is married and lives in Colorado with our perfect little granddaughter. And I love to read, I love your recommendations. I love to do active things outside, and I love to cook and bake and travel.
1: I love your blog, Who I Met Today, and I'm really looking forward to speaking a little bit about it. Can you tell me how it got started, how long you've been doing it, and just a little bit more about it?
0: Yes, thank you. It coincides with my move to Nashville. Like I said, I moved here, did not know a soul, was 57 years old, and I thought, what am I going to do to meet people? So I started going out and trying to do one new thing every day in Nashville, talk to people, just immerse myself in the community some way because if you've had children you know that that's kind of an automatic way to meet people. You have games and you have meetings and and moms groups and things like that, but when you move and you're not working and you don't have children it's very challenging. So as I was going Through this process, I was also looking for a project to do. And I had been looking for a project to do for a long time. I wanted, you know, something to use my brain. My mother-in-law was suffering with Alzheimer's at the time. And I was very concerned with the fact that I needed mental challenges and stimulation. So anyway, it it was kind of a a all-encompassing thing. And one night my husband poured me a glass of wine and said, sit down. I think he was tired of hearing me agonize about the fact that I didn't have friends, the fact that we were new to the community and that I didn't have, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he said, what would you do if you could do anything? Take money out of the equation. Just don't worry about thinking that you have to make an income. And I said, oh, it just fell out of my mouth. I said, I would interview people and hear their stories and write about it. And he said, then go do it. And I, of course, all the little voices in my head were saying, oh, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do this. Who would read it, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, that's how the blog got started. I did go out and do it. And it's just been wonderful. Not only have I learned so much, but it is great mental stimulation. And the people I've met are just incredible. Who did you start with? My very first interview, I was going to San Francisco with my husband. He had a business trip and I was tagging along and I thought, okay, it's now or never. I've got to do the first one at some point. I thought, what's San Francisco unique for? And, oh, I thought of the Asian community, and I reached out to some bakeries. And, of course, at this point, I have no credibility, no website, and I'm not getting very positive responses. But I called a gentleman, Kevin Chan, whose family owned the Golden Gate Fortune Cookie Company. And he said, sure, I'll talk to you. And I thought, oh, okay, well, great. But I bet just the way he said it kind of offhandedly, I wasn't sure if he'd even remember that we had the appointment. But sure enough, I went to this, it was pouring down rain and the the little factory was in an alleyway in San Francisco and it just couldn't have been more fun. He showed me all around the factory, told me how his family had started it when they moved to the United States and told me a story, sent me home with bags of fortune cookies and I said, you know, I'm on a plane. I can't take all these cookies. He said, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. So I passed them out to employees at the hotel where we were staying. And they were so appreciative. So it was fun for me to, to give the cookies to them. But that was my first one.
1: What a great way to start.
0: It was fun. He was very encouraging. And it motivated me.
1: How do you line your people up now?
0: Well, it's gotten easier. Because I do have a website and there's some credibility. And usually I will think about something that I want to learn about. And sometimes I just go down the, the Google rabbit hole and try and find someone that knows something about the topic I'm, I'm seeking. That's one way. Another way is people will contact me and say, I have a friend who does such and such, and I think you might be interested in that. So different ways. But I was visiting my, my granddaughter several months ago, and she was signing. I don't know if you're familiar with baby sign language. Definitely. And well, that wasn't a thing when my kids were growing up. And I was just interested in it. So I, I researched speech pathologists and found one who was a young mom herself. And we talked just just last week. So I'm excited to, to write up that story and present it. But that's usually what I do is it's something I'm interested in that I figure hopefully the audience will be interested in too.
1: Well, I always enjoy reading your blog columns on Fridays when I get the email. And you often incorporate books, or at least it seems like you often incorporate books to me because I I look for that and I'm always enjoying seeing what you're reading or what someone's recommending.
0: Thank you. I do incorporate books. And, and I sort of started this in the last couple of years, I have a newsletter that goes out every couple of weeks, and it always has a story or two about a person, and then book recommendations also, because it seemed like whenever I would talk with a person, we would get around to talking about books. Not, not everyone, but it was just a great way to exchange book recommendations and hear of things to read that I might not have otherwise chosen. And my readership seemed to enjoy hearing about the books. So I've kept that up. And of course, that's something I love.
1: Yes, I love chatting books with you and seeing how we feel about a particular book or hearing what you're reading and vice versa. It's been really fun as we've gotten to know each other a little bit.
0: And I almost always agree with you, Cindy. Our opinions are almost always the same on books.
1: So you have several that you want to recommend. Would you like to get started with that?
0: Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. One of my very first interviews was with a woman who I was following on Instagram. And I loved, she was a recipe developer. I loved her healthy recipes. They were consistently good. They weren't the kind of recipes that looked great in the picture and sounded good, but the home cook couldn't produce. I mean, these were universally successful. Her name is Alex Snodgrass. And some of you may have heard her, The Defined Dish. So she was about my sixth or seventh interview. And when I emailed her, I thought, there's no way she's going to talk to me. But I wanted to learn about how she went about developing recipes night after night and what the whole 30 craze was and just how she did what she did. She was so nice. She emailed me back. I was going to be in Dallas, which is where she lived. And she said, please come over for lunch. I'll make you lunch and show you my kitchen and we can talk. So that's what I did, and I will always be grateful to her for giving me that opportunity so early on in my blog. But anyway, her cookbook, which came out right before COVID, so that would have been December of 2019, is called The Defined Dish. I have made just about everything in it, and I can say that the recipes are great. What I like about this cookbook is it's all dinners. For the most part, she might have a couple of side dishes in here. You know, some cookbooks have the salad. Well, you've still got to come up with the main dish. This this is the whole dinner. And I, I love the enchiladas, I love the better than takeout section, walnut crusted scallops in butternut squash, puree, turkey burgers. There's even a section on kid food. But it's a great cookbook, and I'm so happy for. Her. Now, just in the last couple of weeks, she, this one has been so successful that she's announced she has another one coming out at the end of this year, which is very, very quick to have two come out in, in two years. It's called The Defined Dish, Healthy and Wholesome Weeknight Recipes by Alex Snodgrass.
1: When you talk about it being an entire meal, so each recipe is sort of a grouping of recipes for a meal versus just the main course, just the side. She has like the the scallops with the puree and a side, or do you put them together? How does that work,
0: Cindy? I actually misspoke. It's not exactly the whole meal. Some of her recipes will have the meat and a side dish with them, or the entree itself is large enough that you don't need a side dish. But but most of the meals, you know, once you make the the scallops or the enchiladas or the spaghetti squash pad Thai or the kid's version of Hamburger Helper, if you just throw together a salad or some fruit, then you've got a meal.
1: Or it's easy to just roast some broccoli or microwave some green beans or do something easy to go with it.
0: Exactly. And these meals are substantial. They're healthy. She gives you Whole30 options. You don't need to go out and buy all of the Whole30 ingredients if you'd rather not. Her recipes call for arrowroot starch, but you could also use cornstarch. They call for coconut aminos, but you can use soy sauce. So they're not restrictive in that regard that you have to go out and buy a whole new supply of ingredients. But I can't say enough about how fabulous all the um, recipes are. I've gotten a lot of people hooked on her cookbook and her recipe site too, the and And they agree with me. It's just clean, healthy food, but it's not rabbit food.
1: Well, that's what we need. And I'm not a huge cook at all. But now you're having me think I need to look her up and look at her website. And maybe I'll wait on this new cookbook that's coming out. But I can at least look at her website for now.
0: It's great. I think you'd really enjoy
1: it. When she does her recipes, does she do them with the ordinary ingredients you would have and then give you the Whole30 options? Is that how that works?
0: She um, she lists the Whole30 options. And not all the recipes have a slew of Whole30 ingredients. Just some of them. But, oh, you know, if it calls for a certain type of flour, I just Google that flour and it tells me what what to use instead.
1: Okay. That's what I was wondering, how you knew what to substitute. Yeah.
0: On her Instagram account, she will give you options. The cookbook doesn't, but it's easy to substitute.
1: Okay, good. Well, that one sounds wonderful. I'm excited to hear about your next one.
0: The next one is by a woman that some of you may have heard of named Jenny Rosenstrock. She has a blog called Dinner, A Love Story. And believe it or not, since 1998, she has written down every single dinner she's cooked. She's she's made a dinner diary. And then she's transferred that diary into several cookbooks. Her first one was Dinner, A Love Story. And then she had Dinner, A Playbook. And then she had How to Celebrate Everything. Those are all wonderful cookbooks. The one I'm most excited about, however, comes out in August. I interviewed her last week, and the story is going to run on my blog in August. I'm a huge fan of Jenny. Her next cookbook, like I said, is The Weekday Vegetarians. And for the past few years, her family has tried to eat vegetarian Monday through Friday. So she said the cookbook is really going to be a compilation of what their family has eaten. So it's normal food. She has two young kids. The kids eat the food. Some of the recipes that are on her blog, I believe, will make an appearance in the cookbook, and I'm a huge fan. She does she does simple recipes, no fuss, and, and they're just always good. Last night, actually, my husband cooked dinner, and he made one of her pizzas, which was peaches, arugula, and burrata, and it was just delicious. So I'm really looking forward to that one coming out. The other cookbooks that she has are kind of geared for young moms, I think. Dinner, a playbook talks about how to get healthy dinners on the table, dinner, a love story, how to incorporate family time and make sure that dinner is a nice event in your household instead of, you know, just something to get food on the table and out the door. And then how to celebrate everything talks a lot about how her family celebrates the little things in life, as well as the big things.
1: I am not familiar with her, but I'm going to now have to look her up. And I'm amazed that she's written down every meal she's cooked since 1998.
0: Can you believe that? She's been a food writer and just used to documenting. I really, really enjoyed talking to her very, very much so. She writes for, if any of your listeners have heard of the website, A Cup of Joe, that's an online magazine. She also writes a a food column for them.
1: Well, and I'm very excited for your third one.
0: Anne Byrne has written, I don't know if any of you remember the Cake Doctor cookbooks. There was kind of a series about how to do, how to work your magic from a box cake mix. And Anne Byrne is coming out with a new cookbook in November. A New Take on Cake is what that one's called. And she's got some new cake recipes for everyone. Because, I don't know if you've noticed this, I'm not a big buyer of cake mixes, but the cake mix boxes are smaller than they used to be. Oh, that's
1: interesting.
0: But the one I really love came out a couple of years ago by Anne called Skillet Love. And it motivated me to get down on my hands and knees and dig my iron skillet out from the back of the cupboard. And you know, I just never used it. I got one and I might've used it a couple of times and I thought, eh, can't go in the dishwasher. I'm not going to use it. But I use it all the time now. I love her cookbook. She has everything from chicken recipes to fish to different pizzas, different desserts. She's got a chocolate chip cookie skillet recipe that is just to die for. It's kind of become our go-to dessert when we have people over. And she talks about, how to care for a skill, an iron skillet, and I had never done that correctly, which was nice to learn. Just a lot of comfort food that um, I think readers would enjoy.
1: Well, I didn't know she had the skillet cookbook, but I'm very familiar with her cake doctor cookbooks because my daughter is a big baker, Or especially when she was younger. She doesn't do it quite as much now because high school is so busy. But when she was a little younger, we would bake a lot from the cake doctor, and then I think there was like a chocolate cake doctor. We made so many of those recipes. So it's good to know that if I were to go out now and buy a cake mix, it might not work anymore for these recipes. And I'll have to be on the lookout for her new one. But we really enjoyed using those. And it's a lot quicker. And she had so many great ideas and they were all so yummy. And so now I'm gonna have to go track down the skillet one and then wait on this new one to come out.
0: Yeah, I think I think it'll be fun, a lot of fun. She's got a whole a whole series. You know, I think there's one called American Cake and She can work all kinds of magic and turn a cake mix into breads and cookies and bars and cakes and all kinds of fancy things.
1: Well, it's such a clever idea and it just takes a lot less time and you're not having to buy all of these ingredients and it goes a little smoother for those of us that aren't the greatest bakers. You know, we really enjoyed those and thought they were a lot of fun. So it's good to know she's continued and now I've just got to update and get caught up with her. Well, anything else on the cookbook front that you want to talk about before we turn to book books? that's all I had on the cookbook front. Well, tell me what you have read lately that you really liked.
0: I just finished Blush by Jamie Brenner. And this was one of those escapist summery beach reads. Takes place in a New York State winery. And I just really enjoyed it. It was light and breezy and a great vacation read. Like you, I'm a big fan of historical fiction. And I finished one book that I was able to get an advanced copy of that's coming out, I believe, August 10th, The Showgirl by Nicola Harrison. And that's based in the 1920s and centers around the Zekefield Follies in New York. Have Are you familiar with those?
1: I am. And I've actually read her book and I just spoke to Nicola last week. I interviewed her for the podcast and then I'm hosting her for our salon in October. And we're just in the process of getting that date set and finding somebody to come with her. So I really enjoyed that book.
0: Oh, I'm glad you did. I'd love to come to the salon and and see her. I'll have to check out when when that's happening.
1: We're looking at October 28th, I think is the date. We're just in the process truly like today and tomorrow of finalizing all of that. But I just really, really like her. And I loved that book and that time period and the Broadway references, all of it.
0: Oh, that's right. You're a big Broadway fan. It it was just great. I loved it. Another historical fiction that I'm reading now, and I already know that I love it, even though I haven't finished it, is The Rose Code by Kate Quinn.
1: I really liked that one too. I love Bletchley Park. Anything that happens at Bletchley Park, I have to read.
0: Oh, I love it. And I finished, can I name three more quickly?
1: You can name however many you want. I could talk about books all day. So you can just keep going for however long you'd like to.
0: I really like Surviving Savannah. That's another historical fiction by Patty Callahan about a steamship that exploded off the coast of North Carolina and the famous Charleston and Savannah passengers that were on that and how entire families were were affected. So I really enjoyed that one. And I loved Fast Girls by Elise Hooper about the 1936 track and field team in the Olympics. Have you read that one?
1: I have. I've read both The Surviving Savannah about the Pulaski, and I thought that was so interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing, that people would take that steamship from Charleston up to Baltimore you know, in the summer to kind of get away from the heat. I didn't know that that ship had gone down and had the same lifeboat issue that the Titanic subsequently did. I just thought all of that was completely fascinating. And she has a new book that's coming out in October called Once Upon a Wardrobe about C.S. Lewis and where Narnia came from. And it will literally be one of my top reads of the year. It is so good.
0: Oh, oh! I can't wait to read that.
1: Oh, I mean, I just finished reading and I just sat there for a while. And I've thought about it so many times since then. And it's not very long. And I think I'm actually going to pick it up and reread it. And I never do that.
0: Oh, wow. What an endorsement.
1: Yeah, it was really good. And then I love Elise Hooper. She was one of our early people for the salon, actually for no, it wasn't for Fast Girls. It was for the book before that. We hosted her online for Fast Girls because it came out during um the pandemic. It's for her second book about Dorothea Lang Learning to See. And I love that book too. So I and I've actually beta read her new book that will be out next year.
0: Wow. I, I just I don't have enough time to read every single book that I want to read. Well, no one does <laughs> in our in one lifetime that but- I, my pile is very, very deep. I love historical fiction, and it amazes me that all of these authors are able to continually uncover new stories, new history to write about.
1: I agree completely. And my favorites are those stories like The Pulaski that no one remembers and you know other events like that where the stories have been lost to time, and it's just fascinating to learn about them.
0: I, I love it. I did read one more that I would like to mention. Have you read Lisa DeNova? She's a neuroscientist. I have not. Dr. DeNova has written, I believe, five novels, all related to diseases of the brain. She wrote Still Alice, which centered around Alzheimer's. She wrote one that centered around Huntington's disease, another one Left Neglect. And off the top of my head, I can't remember the exact titles of all the books. But anyway, Those were all fiction based on actual diseases. And I thought they were all fascinating. But her latest book is called Remember. It's nonfiction. And she said she wrote it because she had so many people that after a speaking event or just when she was out and about would come up to her and say, I walk into a room and I can't remember what I walked in here for. Or I can't remember where I put my keys. Is this the beginning of Alzheimer's? And the answer is no. And she wrote this book to, to let people know that your brain is not designed to remember everything. And in very approachable language, she talks about, A, what we can do to reduce our chances of getting Alzheimer's, but how memory works, what is normal memory, what we can do to boost our memory. And it was not textbook fashion. It was just very readable. And I again, I thought it was fascinating
1: okay, I need that book. I have never heard of that. I know I've heard of her fiction, but I didn't know she had a nonfiction book. My father has Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and it's not been going well at all lately. And that is such a fear of mine. And I worry about it anytime I can't remember some small thing, like, is this going to happen to me? Because it's a horrible, miserable disease. And so it just kind of hangs over me periodically. So it sounds like that is the book for me because I frequently... End up in my pantry, and I'm like, what the heck did I come in here for? And of course, some of it is that one of my kids is talking to me or something else is happening, and I get distracted. But still, it would, I think, bring me some peace of mind. One, to know what's normal. Two, to know some of the things I could do to help.
0: I think you would enjoy it. My mother in law, as I mentioned before, has had Alzheimer's for two decades now. And it's just horrible to watch, it's just devastating. And oh, I'm famous for, I'll ask my husband a question, he'll answer me. And five minutes later, I'll ask him the same question. And according to Dr. Genova, we're just not paying attention. We're distracted. It's not Alzheimer's. You know, We're just not paying attention, but that's how a normal brain functions. It's very affirming. It's very interesting. It's informative. And she just does a good job of breaking it down and giving us doses of information
1: on a level that we can understand. Well, I like that and I definitely need that book. So I can't talk to you too many more times because I'm gonna end up having to buy like seven books every time we talk.
0: That's how I feel about you.
1: Well, good. Well, Pam, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me in the Thoughts From a Page podcast today. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you.
0: Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you very, very much.
1: I'm Alison Holland Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I hope you'll tune in next time.